Well, welcome to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast, Rodney. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, good. Glad to have you with us. Welcome to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast. I'm Peter Cronin, lead presenter of the Black Belt and Thinking. This is a podcast where we look at all things to do with thinking faster and acting more purposefully. I interview experts in their field to try and provide you with the insights to the way they think and the tools and processes they use on a day-to-day basis. If you find value in this podcast, love for you to share it with others. All right, so obviously you're a participant of the course. Um, you've you've uh, taken the tools and done some things with them. Before we get into that, uh, do you mind giving, giving everyone a bit of your background? What do you do? Everything. Yeah, so uh, there's a co- I have two things I do. One is there's a company I work for, coaching company, and I design their training, train their train the instructors, and um, run those training programs. And we do five cohort-based courses a year to train coaches and certify coaches. Okay. Um, and then there's my own, you know, business that I have as well, where I help people create courses and right. workshops and um, cohort-based courses as well. So, yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, you'll be uh, <laughs> very, very uh, interesting examples that came up through the course because you were applying them to the course which obviously we've done as well applying the tools to the course as we built it and everything so it was quite interesting me just looking through your work seeing that as well as you went bit of a awesome. bit of a different perspective yeah yeah nice. and um we would you i suppose would you hear about the course or toc first oh gosh i read the goal i don't know how many years ago um that's a long time ago Okay. And yeah, and then I, I read the goal, I loved it, and I had no idea what to do with that information. <laughs> yeah, we hear them today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it made so much sense. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. And then I read uh, It's Not Luck, I think, next. Yep. And um, then that's when I first learned about the thinking tools. And I still I wasn't sure I was really getting a lot out of out of using those tools, but I ended up getting a book of TOC tools that was for school children. That was okay. really helpful. Actually. Yeah, right. I guess it makes things clear, right? Yes, it yeah. was abundantly yeah. clear. And I learned like an ambitious target, the, you know, the goal setting kind of exercise and yeah. and uh, another way to look at clouds. And so I ended up, you know, doing a lot of that stuff. And I really didn't develop a habit of it. Um, I started to get into it a lot more after um, uh, Clark Ching's book. Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, he's got a, a book on... Um, uh, bottlenecks and uh, a book on agile even though i don't really do software but i still was was really interesting reading it yep. and uh, a book on corkscrew thinking which is basically the evaporating cloud yep. and that really got me thinking like oh there's a lot more uh ways to apply it than i thought because the original way I, I had learned about evaporating clouds was you do some kind of large cause and effect map oh and then eventually you find like a conflict right yeah. The core conflict. And so, yeah. yeah, and I had tried doing that and it, I just got lost in that exercise. And the way that um, Clark taught it, you know, you could really just kind of take various situations and try to find a conflict in them without having done like a huge analysis first. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And as, well, as you know, it's the same on the course. We have in the third part of the course, um, the, the reality engineering is all about that. The big, the big cause and effect map and drilling down. But no, I mean, they're, they're probably the most useful just day-to-day tool for making good decisions on stuff. <laughs> exactly. 
And then I, I don't know when I first learned about you, but I definitely learned about you from, or about BBIT from the, um, uh, Clark did a, uh, had this whole summit for people who are in the down under TLC oh, down yeah, under. Yeah. TLC down under. And yeah. I saw your presentation and your presentation was very interesting because you were applying the tools to your own course and to how to make uh, the course, make sure it was profitable, but also useful to the students. And, you know, you, you went through like, oh, people weren't completing it at a high enough rate. And then, oh, we'll, we'll make it so uh, it's like a cohort-based course because you saw another course that had done that to solve that problem. And, um, uh, and but the, 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 core, the conflict was something like, um, you know, if we, we have them, we review their assignments, right? So to make it effective, but, you know, on one hand, you need to do that. On the other hand, um, if you, uh, it, it costs, takes a lot of time. You yep. know, and then you yep. can, with the solution, the solution was, oh, well, some of the assignments can be self-scoring or something, you know, like you don't have to actually review everything. And um, anyway, it was really interesting, uh, the stuff that you'd uh, come up with. And I thought that's really, really cool because I'm, I'm build courses and we have conflicts like that ourselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I then I thought, oh, and I, and you know what, I had been trying to thought about taking your course for a while too, uh, but it was always a bad time. And finally, I said to myself, uh, this year, it. What if it saves me time? <laughs> right. Because yep, yep. so it was it was just rolled back. It's literally been since 2020. Yep. That I've been okay, thinking yep. about taking your courses. Like we'd had emails before. It was you know three years ago, so you might not remember, but uh, it was like around. It was the pandemic had already started. And I kept uh, going. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do it eventually. I think <laughs> and, we were on LinkedIn for a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I might have been yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. but we definitely had some emails too. And because I was on your email list and I mean, it's literally, this is 2023, this is three years <laughs> later, but finally I had the logic of, uh, you know what, I better, what if it saves me time? Because I was facing some things that were going to be too time consuming. And I thought maybe this will be, you know, uh, maybe it'll help me solve the problems that all of that is going to cause. Yeah. So so uh, I'm not, and it did help. So there you go. I thought that was going to be my next question. Well, tell us, did it? <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing is, is what was the cause and effect? So I have things to do to build my own business. I have these courses to run that are time consuming. And um, it was eating up into time and energy that I would need for my own stuff. Plus I have a wife and two children. So mm. it's not like I can just work all evening all the time or anything <laughs> like that. And so I had to do various cause and effect things. Here's one of them. And this is one that you're pr probably no one's expecting. Daughter is, uh, I have two daughters and they uh, can't go to, they try to put them asleep in the same room. It doesn't work because the youngest one is always moving around and it bothers the oldest one. And then she starts telling her to stop moving, stop making noise, blah, blah, blah. So I take the other one out, have her sleep on the couch. And then when she's asleep, I carry her to her, to her bedroom, right? Right. And that worked for for uh, for a while. That solved that cause, you know, cause and effect situation. But then after a while, she started getting restless out there and like oh. playing too much. And then I'm, it's taking too long for her to get to sleep, which means that it takes me longer to get that last bit of work I need to get done in the day. Yep. So she's moving and moving, and it's like, what's the cause? Why is she doing that? Well, maybe she hasn't moved enough. Ah. Okay. Yep. And I wish that I was smart enough to have figured that out all by myself. But what ended up happening is there was a day 
where we ended up doing some stuff that was a lot to, took a lot of energy and then she went right to sleep and i thought and that's when i finally dawned on me wait a second oh we need to tucker this kid out and so then after that we started doing things like dancing and things like that exercise yep. at night before bed so that she would go to sleep more quickly oh nice <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yes. So it was a little bit of serendipity, but also just the cause and effect of finally kicking in to realize. So that was one of the problems. <laughs> yep. Okay. No, that's a good one. I, I like ones like that. I like the the, the realness of it, you know, because you, you just get caught up and, oh, well, I'll just do this. I'll just do that to sort of manage the problem rather than, and then something clicks and you take a step back and you go, I don't need to manage the problem. I can get rid of the problem. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then if the exercise is fun, the first iteration, we were just doing exercise and then she was kind of getting bored with it. And then we, um, there's this thing called go noodle and yeah. parents will know what that is. Right. And <laughs> it's this, uh, these videos that they show that they, you can put on your screen, you can stream in that have all these exercise, fun exercise things. Oh, and okay. so yeah. we have both daughters doing it and I'll do it with them and just jumping around and playing. And it has things where virtual, like you're on, like you're running on a course and like an obstacle comes and says, jump, you know, <laughs> oh, move to the right, move okay. to the left, all these kind of fun things. And some of them are just dances, like a dance party. And that makes it so, oh yeah, they look forward to that. And it's not like you're, you're making them do exercise. Yeah. Yeah. You're not making them run around the house 14 times or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Nice. Right. So uh, there's that. Um, I don't know if you want me to go through any other problems that I solved along the way or. Yeah. Any, anyone you want to talk about be, I'm, I'm sure. All right. interested in. So another thing is, so our courses have daily assignments five days a week. Yep. And to make sure that I was appraised of like the, what was happening in the course and also what the students needed. And if the, if the instructors needed feedback, I was looking at their feedback every day. And like for 30 students, that's a lot of feedback to look at every day. Yep. And I knew this year I, I was going to be really tough to do that and do other things. I was going to have to drop other important things. Um, and so I ended up uh, making a druid about it and basically figuring out that I think it was a druid. Was it? A, I think it was a druid. Yeah, because it's like if you stop checking, then you find out that there is an issue and then you've dealt with it late. And then now it's compounded and worse, something like that, right? Yep. Like <laughs> so, you know, you don't check assignments every day. There's negative consequences. If you do check them every day, there's negative consequences because now you don't have time for all the other things that the organization needs. Yep. And so, I mean, it went more detailed than that, but that's the basic gist. And so the solution was for me to be more clear on what was the purpose of each assignment. And also some guidelines on helpful ways to respond to different things that students might do in response to the assignment. Nice. And yep. then I did not have to um, uh, uh, look at all the assignments every day or all the feedback because they had really clear guidelines on how to respond. Um, and then there's a problem we hadn't solved yet. What I realized was a problem uh, very late, but how do I keep appraised of all the students' like progress well? and we have a system that kind of works on that, but there's one little bit that that I realized, and this is the thing, you keep solving problems and another problem crops up, right? But <laughs> yeah, at least exactly, you've solved yeah. the previous problem, right? Yep. There's the insight of like, if there's a tweak that's needed in the instructions, 
So my instructors, if there's something really clear, they will tell me right away, oh, hey, so-and-so had this odd response. That probably means the instructions need to be revised. So they know to do that. Yep. But every once in a while, there was something in the course that I thought was going well, and it turned out it wasn't. I'm like, oh, like, how do I, you know, solve that? And um, so we're, I haven't haven't implemented that yet because I it was close to the end of the course. So I hadn't, it was too late to find a broad solution yet. But that's the next problem to solve is that one, which I okay. think I... Yep have an idea which is that um i'll actually just ask them <laughs> about that kind of thing i mean we talk about it but somehow it just that one escaped us this one particular concept yeah. so i'm i'm thinking about something about like standards uh because we have the objective but i haven't like said okay you know what does it look like if the students achieved this objective i've written the objective oh, but i haven't actually yeah. and then so that we can say okay who's not achieving it um, and also the other thing is, what if my objective misses something important, which I think also happened in that course. Um, so, right. and maybe no, I think nobody realized it until later that there was a flawed objective in there. But the good thing is now that you, once you've set it out, it's a thing that you can now discuss yeah, and yeah. fix and retool instead of just kind of saying something didn't work and trying to work it, you have like much clearer language to you know, fix things. So yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, we had that. I don't know if you remember in, in the course of the common error guides. That was something that uh, Ben and I wrote up for the instructors, and then we're like, wait, we should just give this to the participants as well. <laughs> there you go, right? Like maybe maybe, like, maybe we'll do that. Yes, <laughs> being in the top, you know, five errors is people tend to make when first using this tool. We might as well tell them about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just funny, these things, like, as you're saying, you, you think of, oh, we'll write these guidelines. And then, I don't know, at some point it occurs to you, wait a second, like, why are we, why are we abstracting it a step away when we can just. <laughs> just tell them directly, right? Yeah, Here's the directly. three errors you probably let people make, so you don't have to make them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ah, good. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting all the all the tool you saw on the course. Just going back to what you said at the start about um the the presentation for um I did for Clark. It, we, we found it fascinating. Basically, as we started building the course, almost every decision came down to how do we get more value to people, or how do we help them learn the tools, or whatever whatever it is, um, while while not increasing you know our input too much. So it was like, well, how do we increase value while while keeping our input the same and then once we got to the course to the standard that we wanted it and you know people were getting great value out of it the course was running really well then we had all these decisions that were the opposite how do we maintain the standard while while stepping our involvement back a bit so it's 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 interesting how it was basically the same theme so almost all the decisions we made but the the focus shift i guess so right yeah, it is it is funny how these things come through it is it's amazing and one of the good things about that is you can then decide where the improvement should lie you know instead of just improving things for the sake of it oh let's yeah. keep adding more and more value more and more value more and more value but what if that's not the bottleneck what if that's not really where you need to focus oh i need we need to focus on reducing how much input we put in so that we can take that same energy and put it into some other initiatives so yeah. i that's one of the things i love about it is once you get really clear on what you're thinking about you now can stand apart from the whole system and say where do we want this thing to move instead of just kind of running as fast as you can on a treadmill? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Actually. It's about clear decisions, right? Like rather than making, I guess you'd almost call them like gut or instinctual or there's, there's always all this pressure because of time, I guess, like people mm -hmm. who are snappy decision makers get a lot of uh, 
kudos in the office, but it's not necessarily the best approach. Like, yes, I want to make the right decision. Well, and and the there's a couple of interesting concepts related to that. There was a book called um, The Contrarian's Guide to Leadership, and it was okay. written by one of my college professors, Stephen Sample. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. And one of the things he said is one of his myths of leadership was that leaders are are uh, always making like you know deci- are decisive. Okay, and he yep. says he says you know what if I have a de- if they give me a decision to make and I have six months to make it, you know how long I take. I take like five months and like 29 days because <laughs> all the things I might learn along the way that would help me make that decision. Yeah. And there's no reason to do it any faster unless there's really an advantage to doing it faster. But if there yeah, isn't, yeah. then let it, let, let, let it go and keep collecting information and talking to people about it. And eventually you'll learn something. And yeah. And once that deadline, before that deadline hits, make sure you pull the trigger. And That's the cool. other thing he, yeah, that was a beautiful concept. I thought like, yeah. That, yeah, you don't have to decide right now unless you do, unless it's an emergency. Oh, yeah, if there's, if there's you know? a benefit to moving quick, sure. But yeah, yeah, if you have a competitor and you have to move before they move or something, and but it's rare that that's that things are that urgent, but people just handle decisions because they're there instead yeah. of saying, wait, no, we have three months to make this hiring decision. That means we have three months to find the best candidates. Yeah. And see, and so there's no reason to make choose the first you know, choose within a week or just because, but it feels good though, to get that off your plate. Yeah. And that's yeah, the yeah. real cause of it is yeah. like, I ha- I can reduce my, my task list by one, but you know what? Your task list is growing anyway. So it doesn't, <laughs> that feeling is just like, it's misleading you. Uh, yeah. And another thing he said, which I thought was really good is don't decide that you're right about your decisions. Right. Just decide that you've made the best decision with the, with the best logic and information you have at this moment. Yep. That you that it was time to make this decision. You made it, but don't decide that you're right. Right. The um uh confirmation bias. You've yes, exactly. Right so now everything you see fits into that worldview that because you, you made the right decision. Exactly. And and the great thing is you because you don't you don't have to be right. You just have to do the best you can do. Like if someone asks you why did you make that decision, you can explain it, but you're not, but you don't want to explain it in a way that justifies it, like as yep. if as if no other decision could be better later because you may yeah, need yeah, to yeah. change your mind. And it's kind of reminded me of Gold Rat. Yeah, but sorry. Carry oh, on. yeah, no, but I like that. Yeah, so I'd say that, yeah. Oh, yeah, it might dissuade others because you've you've made your decision, you're set in stone, whereas they might have some new information. They're like, oh, he's not going to listen to this or whatever. Exactly. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's good that if it's good for everyone you work with to know you see, see things that way yeah. so that, yeah, exactly, they will put in put in their input and, and say, you know, we made this decision six months ago uh, and here's what we've been seeing. And yeah. then you're like, oh, oh, wait, we didn't realize those would be the outcomes. Well, let's rethink this. And, but a lot of people are like, no, we made that decision. We got to stick with it. No, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you have to, unless you have to, you might have to, but don't assume it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even if you do have to, then you've got things like the, the uh, MBRs, right? You can, you can say, okay, so we've got this negative effect. We don't necessarily have to pull out the initial good thing just because of right. negative effect. Let's figure out why that's there and see if we can manage that separately. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you it, you just leave that flexibility open, and I think uh, we because of the way we were trained in school, I think we think that we're going to find right answers that we can just stick with. Yeah. 
And maybe sometimes that might actually happen. <laughs> but a lot of times yeah. it's like there's all these contingencies at the moment. And sometimes our brain like abstracts away and we forget them. Yep. And we just know what we did, but we forget like there were specific reasons. Yeah. But when you draw these diagrams, that means you can literally revisit like what that thinking process was. Yep. And it's not just intuitive and it's not just, I mean, it's intuitive too, but also verbalized intuition. Actually, remember guys, we did this for this reason. Remember, yeah. But that that thing yeah. has changed. We actually don't have to do this anymore. Isn't that great? That's, that's and, a key thing, isn't it? Like actually yeah. recognizing why did we do this in the first place? And do we still need that effect? Or do we still have that problem? Like Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I've seen a lot of times when, if you figure that out, which has happened to me a number of times and the person's like, well, wait, wait, I don't know. I don't know. And it's just because they're, they haven't, they're, they're going by the feeling, the feeling feels wrong. And yeah. so it's like, you have to let people absorb the uh, logic because even yeah. if, if you've, if you're used to using the tools and you've solved it and now you present it to them, they're like, I kind of makes sense, but I don't know. It's, it's, doesn't you know it doesn't feel right yet you know it's easy. <laughs> yeah it's like it can't be like can we just drop that thing we were doing like what if there's something we haven't missed i'm like well if there is look at this do you see anything we've missed well no but there could be something yeah it could be i mean as <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i always say, say there could be but just give yourself some chance uh, so just know i think it's good if people have to present solutions to other people they might not instantly be able to absorb it uh, yes. Or especially if it's a change or if it was like something we worked really hard on to produce it, there's a, there's psychological, uh, uh, like inertia. I think, uh, uh, called it inertia, but I think it's psychological inertia. Like, yeah. like, wait, really? Should we really like switch, turn the boat that fast? Yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And as you say, the, the being able to share it, like what's in your, your head, we, we find that in, in teams, once everybody sort of gets a grasp of the tools, obviously some people use them more than others and that's to be expected in any organization. But the fact that it gives a common language or structure to be able to explain your logic for why a problem exists or why you've done something is is massive, I think. Yeah, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, and it just grounds you in cause and effect, grounds you in reality yep. instead of just kind of, because we have intuition, which is useful. Yep. And it's also good to be able to kind of critique our intuition because it's not always right. Um, yeah, that's and right, so, yeah. so, yeah, it, it, I think it gives, if someone has an intuitive feeling, I'll say, let's follow that. Let's see, let's talk more about that. Tell me more about that. Cause they might have a cause and effect connection that they've, that they have, but they haven't been able to verbalize it. Yeah. And then we have to like slow down because those people are not able to verbalize it quickly. Yeah. That's that's so sometimes you, you you you're so focused on doing something you feel like you've done the right thing but you don't necessarily and if somebody else says I mean the, the transition logic is somebody else says oh why why do you do it that way it's like because it works <laughs> okay <laughs> but if you want everybody else to do it the same way you want it to work for them you're gonna need more than that <laughs> exactly exactly yeah it's it's beautiful I mean I I have to say I was and I love how you guys have taken the stuff and kind of made it like more, much more accessible. And, you know, if you take a weekend workshop or like a workshop over like four days, I have serious pro trouble with that. I've taught workshops over a weekend and three now days. We used to run days. the course. Yeah. And <laughs> they can be a lot of fun. We did, we would make everything into fun exercises. And yep. then 
when we had to go online, we were like, how could we possibly take any of that energy and bring it into online? And our first iteration was not very good. And then the last iterations have been much better where it's like daily practice. And now we think, how could we possibly do that live? Because people couldn't possibly, you know, do daily assignments and feedback. <laughs> That's what we found. We, we, I, I genuinely thought, and I'm open to saying this, I thought the online course was going to be a stopgap measure to, to keep, you know, to be blunt, to keep, you know, the money flowing and the people employed, et cetera, through COVID. And then when we started building it and you started to see, oh, you're actually using it as you, you got the benefit of space learning, you learn a little bit a day, you're actually exactly. applying it as you go. Like, as you said, the, the problems you solved literally as you did the course, as opposed to, oh, you got a brain dump over a few days and you solve a problem in theory, and then you have to take it back and actually do it. Oh, it's, it's, it's fascinating looking back at the in-person courses and being like, why did we think that was a good idea? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what's happened. Like, it's like, I don't, I, I, now I would say, how could I duplicate the drip drip yeah. effect yeah. in the workshop, which I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I don't mean, I don't think maybe it is, but you know, it's like, yeah, we did it because that was tradition. That was like how was, things were done. That's how things were done. Yeah. And then it's those, as you say, it's that logic, that assumption, like, do we need to do things this way? It's, I mean, COVID was a great forced shakeup for that, especially, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what state you're in and how they handled it and things, but like in Australia, everything was just locked down. Like there was no person to person communication for months. It was, so you just had to adapt. People had to, yeah. all these companies that said, there's no way we could have people work from home. All of a sudden found that it was totally fine to have people work from home. Right. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of that book, uh, that uh, Goldratt's book, the one that they, he talked about his solution for retail. Um, and I, oh. uh, I can't remember it, what the name of it is anymore, but no, no, it's a, but it was a, it was a novel. It was still a novel, but it was like oh, yeah. in a store and something happened that ruined a bunch of, of stuff and they had to change how they operated. And I heard him talk to Clark about it, Clark Ching about it. And he said, cause Clark's like, what are some lessons from the book that maybe people wouldn't automatically get? And one of them was when you have an emergency and it changes how you operate, you don't always realize what you learned from the emergency that could help you move forward. Right. Right. And he was like, Oh, let's we've, we figured out how to deal with the problem that was for this destroyed inventory and how to get the stuff in just in time that we needed. So we don't lose any sales during this period of, of dealing with this. And then it's like, Oh, let's go back to normal as soon as we can. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but so the exact story um peter sorby our you know the md of, of viago he had a furniture factory that burned down um Ooh. before he joined viago and it was the same thing he was like well we're starting from scratch with the policies we're not we're not going back to what are all the policies how do we get them running again it was like no we'll just do shit that makes sense and mm -hmm. we'll implement policies now that make sense now for the situation we're in. And he's like, that that transformed the company bizarrely. Like it was, it was almost it's the best amazing. Thing that ever happened to them. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It can be if people uh, harvest the gift from it, which is it forces you into a new mode of operation, which now will have, could help you learn things that you didn't know before. 
yeah. because you just had no reason to learn them. You didn't realize that there was this this thing there. Just like I've heard of people saying, oh, they, they lost their job and then they started the business. And, you know, uh, and they were like, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And you hear people say that these tragedies were the best thing that ever happened to them because they they learn. Hopefully they've learned from it. And that's why that they yeah. were able to make the best of it. And I think it it's it pays to take a moment to figure out what did you learn from the emergency in case there is a hidden gift in there. Yeah. Because you the the natural reaction of a lot of people is to let's go back to normal as soon as we can. Let's get everything like all the companies that say, come back to the office now, come back to the office. But have they really analyzed the cause and effect of whether it's really useful? Because the research is showing that people are actually working more hours. Yeah. When yeah. they're so they're not less productive unless they're just working more hours unproductively, but that would be weird, right? But yeah. they're they're not spending as much time on commutes, on all these other things that happen around having to leave the office and come back. And so if they're putting more hours in, why would you want them back? I'm, I mean, <laughs> they're doing this. The workers are doing this to themselves. That the other thing, yeah. you like, if you told them, could you work ten percent more hours, and they'd probably say no. But they just <laughs> did that to themselves. Why would yeah, you yeah. undo the thing that led them to that choice? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't yeah, seem, exactly. but it's because you, because I think they've invested in all this, um, uh, you know, stuff that allows them to have people work in offices. That's the only thing I can think of is why they're doing it. Yeah, but then they can think to ourselves. Maybe the senior yeah. people, the managers that have always worked in the office. So they have this fear almost that people won't, whatever. But yeah, you're yeah. right. It forces everyone to challenge your assumptions. And and likewise, if you say, no, we've got this legitimate reason, let's say these two teams are now going in different directions. We want them in the office once a week so they collaborate. Yeah, fine. But you've got an actual reason for it. It's not just because exactly. we did. Yeah. And then you can test it and then they and then you could even let them propose another solution. Yeah. And if they propose it, you just say, look, as long as you make it work. Fine. No, this, is, this is the problem. As long as it solves the problem, we don't care about the action that causes the solution. And people, people are super committed. If you propose a an idea, and you have a reason for it, and they you let them propose a different idea, they will do everything they can to make that idea work. Yeah. To not use your idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm like, by, by all means, please prove me wrong and find another solution. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This podcast is brought to you by the BBIT. If you want to improve your own thinking and problem-solving skills, visit blackboutandthinking.com to sign up now. Oh, that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it's fun stuff. So yeah, it's it's good. Beautiful things too is being able to visualize it because writing stuff down, like I like to write things down and I would I, you know, write stuff and solve problems and figuring it out. But then being able to visually uh, do it, one of the things it did is it shortened the time frame that it would take if i have to write out all my thoughts about a problem yep. it takes way longer but like what i did with the, with the druids is i open up evernote and i make a table and oh, the yeah. table has one two three four five six seven eight boxes yep. and then i do the same thing with uh, uh evaporating cloud because i you know drawing it on there is just a waste of time but as long as you know the flow of the boxes it's fine it's fine yeah. and and you just you you put everything in there and you can just quickly go with a few words that describe each issue each element and you're yep. like okay i got it you know yep. <laughs> and it. and it, it saves time because i would have been there would be times where i would like i would put off solving a problem because i knew it was going to take me a while to write out everything think it through 
all of that, which would was worthwhile time. It was just going to take a while. Yeah, and so you, to be able to block out time for it, sort of thing, is all exactly. Yeah, but to be able to distill insights that quickly because you're visually doing it really was help is extremely helpful. So I think uh, when Goldrat came up with that, because when I read the goal, I'm like, I don't know how to do anything with this. <laughs> it's not luck. It's like okay, I'm starting to see how yeah. this can be like applied beyond like just a factory, you know. Yep. yep. <laughs> so. No, that's it. And as, as you say, I mean, we used to um, we used to have these uh, notepads um, that just had the five boxes for the cloud on them that we would throw around offices. We were doing projects and things, and because if people had one on their desk, they would do what you're talking about. They would they would take the the two minutes to write out the cloud and make the good decision. Not right. that doesn't block out the time. That doesn't solve the problem. It's just there. They go, oh well, I've got this, and they write it out. And they go, oh, I can just do that. And away you they know, go. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Put an image of a cloud on my desktop or something <laughs> because that's a good i mean just having a visual there just keeps it somewhere in the back of your mind you know yeah because i i really should do them more um and druids more too probably clouds more than druids but just having those just those two tools by themselves they are were really yeah. cool it's amazing and you out of just those two yeah and i the, like in the course just because I, I remember I had a hard time finding examples of stuff to use for these tools. Um, but uh, at first, and then it's like, but doing it makes you kind of wear that path in your brain. So the next time you really do need it, it's there, you yeah. know? Yep. So uh, I, it's so good to, it's just so good to do it. I, it's, yeah. So I, anyway, I really appreciated just, you know, all the, the time doing it and, and the fact that it didn't just focus on work problems. Um, because when you focus on another domain, it kind of helps you realize how generalized it can be. Yeah, that uh, we were talking about confirmation bias. What's the other one? It's like availability bias. If you only ah, yes. use something in one context, you, your brain starts to think it's only can be used for that context. Yes, yep. yes. Um, and that's beautiful. That's like, that's exactly it. Because yeah, you just think, it's just like the things people learn in school. There's a, I used to be a public school teacher. And one of the, the things that we learned about the issues in education is uh what is it called lack of transfer i can't remember that's the transfer problem basically you teach kids the stuff like you teach them critical thinking you teach them these things people think that kids aren't taught certain things because they don't do them outside the classroom no they're taught them it's just we didn't teach them in such a way that they would naturally apply it outside the classroom yeah, <laughs> and since right. they and then they eventually do forget too when you never apply it 20 years later, you're not going to remember stuff you haven't done for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah. so, but we haven't taught it in such a way that would inspire them to apply it. Or we didn't just ask them. Like if we just simply asked them to take the logic and some teachers do are really good with this. Like I saw a lesson once on photosynthesis and okay. it's talked about a system with inputs, a process and outputs. Right. And it had the students come up with examples of systems with input process outputs. Of course, they came up with all sorts of stuff like making a sandwich and whatever, stuff like that, yeah, right? Yeah, that's good. And then once they had the idea, she said, okay, now let's learn about photosynthesis and look at what's the inputs. What's the process? What's the outputs? And now they've they've now taken this framework, applied it to other areas of life, and then apply it to the lesson, the lesson after, instead of expecting that they would somehow generalize that to other things <laughs> yeah yeah, it's yeah. Really interesting, isn't it when yeah yeah once you break it down and they call that constructivist teaching 
Okay. And you basically help them grasp that whole framework before you teach them the the lesson. And now they've now they're going to see it everywhere. They're going to see systems everywhere now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they are. No, that's great. Great. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things. Um, sometimes I I say, you know, talking about the course, I say, well, because we don't really get taught critical thinking or you know cause and effect very well in schools, and people say, oh, well, you sort of do through maths or science. It's like, yeah, but sort of like. Yes, in a very exactly. specific context, you know, you're not taught to abstract those thinking tools out to be able to deploy them anywhere else. Yeah, it's exactly the point. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they never brought up the general concept of cause and effect. No, they, it's it's in there, but it's not really brought out and abstracted to cause and effect. Because yep. if you do that, you could teach a lesson. I mean, if I had known the same stuff when I was a public <laughs> school teacher, I could have easily seen bridges to all these things the kids were interested in. Right. Because yep. cause and effect is in sports. Yeah. Cause and effect yep. is in all the TV shows, right? Yep. All the plots are cause and effect. And some of it is psychological cause and effect, but it's still cause and effect. When you realize that, then you can bring that into every single thing that people learn. Cause yep. there's no, there's no place where there's no cause and effect. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what we learned in school would be things like, how do you evaluate if something is true? But we didn't like talk about like cause and effect specifically like, oh, how would you learn if this person is telling you something true? You could find if it's a fact, well, is it a fact or is it an opinion, you know, that kind of thing. But the, uh, the whole idea of cause and effect is really powerful because that is ultimately we're all trying to get effects. Yes. Yeah. And so if we know what causes those effects, then we have an advantage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or we're trying to get rid of effects. And again, if exactly. we can figure out what's caused them to come in the first place, we can we can tackle them. And the biggest obstacle, though, to all that is a focus on tasks. So yeah. people are focused on their tasks. What am I going to do? And yep. what we need to be focusing is effects or outcomes. That's and it. so... I'll be in meetings and I'll ask these questions. People are like, how'd you think of that question? All I, and the question that I ask all the time is the same one. I'm, so I don't know why they think it's that brilliant. I say, what What did you want to get out of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or what's the outcome you were hoping to achieve? You know, some yeah, variation of that. A, <laughs> we have a classic, um, what's the effect you want that we just smash people with on projects and things. And, you know, we become a little bit known for it. For, for, but it's the, it's the same thing, just different words. But yeah, Exactly. exactly. And, and once you know that concept, if you realize people are doing things to get effects, they're not just doing things like someone says, I need to do A, B and C to build my business. And I say, well, if you what is th that you want this business to do? Are you trying to grow the sales? Are you trying to reduce costs? Are you what is the main place that's going to be more important? And it's like, well, I don't know. And it's like, well, let's find out. Now yeah. we can start to find out where is the place that will give you the most juice. Uh, and, and now we can break it down and figure that out. But if we weren't thinking about outcomes, we would just say, well, let's throw a bunch of spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. And, and hopefully we get lucky. And the, sometimes that works. I mean, there are times when you just do a bunch of stuff. <laughs> sure. uh, and sometimes you might, that might be the way, but if you do that with the eye of learning cause and effect, it's going to be much more effective. Like let's yeah. throw some spaghetti on the wall. But then after you throw a few pieces, you go, actually, I noticed that if it's this temperature, it sticks better. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> or if yeah. you've cooked it this amount of time, it sticks better. Or actually, this type of pasta never sticks on the wall, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Buscatelli, I don't think sticks on the wall because it's so thick and heavy. So, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's like you start to if you if you're purposely deciding to learn like you're I, we're doing experiments to learn we're not just doing them like just yep. hoping we'll win the lottery and get lucky but yep. we're actually trying to learn because that learning is what will then allow you to design the next round of experiments and the next and the next which might eventually lead to a strategy that you exactly, can apply yeah. moving forward yep yeah that's it and and as you say i think i think it's actually a good good point to sort of sum up on is underlying all of the, all of these tools and processes and things you're right is is really just the effects thing and obviously the cause but but it's it's the focus on effects as opposed to the actions the tasks the the decision we just want to do as opposed to taking a step back and thinking about well, why do we want to do that you know what are we trying to get from it yeah it's it's interesting yeah it's such a central concept and it's amazing that if you were going to teach any of the critical thinking skills in schools that's the one thing I'd want to teach them from the time as early as they can possibly learn it, like cause and effect. And like, what's the effect we want from things. Yeah. Yeah. And then that you can build everything from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Perfect. What a wrap up. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Right, well, that was thank fun. You, thank you. Thank time. you. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hope everyone enjoyed this and uh it's of interest. Obviously, um, you know where to find us, blackbeltonthinking.com. Awesome. <laughs>